The Lord, however, by moving slightly aside, dodged the violent mace blow aimed at his breast by the enemy, just as an accomplished yogi would elude death. Mukum koroti bachalam bhagavate gidim jatkripadamaham bandhi srigurum niratarinam. Just like in the Kung Fu movies, where the fighters are so expert that they one fighter, he swings at the opponent, and the opponent just moves a millimeter or a quarter of an inch, and the blow goes past his head and doesn't hurt him. So here we have the original uh, Kung Fu movie, as described in the Bhagavatam, the fight between uh, <clears throat> Hiranyaksha, who's plenty steaming mad and totally agitated, uh, senses out of control, overwhelmed by anger, thinking foolishly that he can uh, defeat the Lord. And he has every intention of doing so. He's very confident. He doesn't think he's going to lose. But as we know, he's going to really lose big time. But the Lord is playing with him uh, because even though he appears to be this agitated, bad demon, he's actually a devotee from Vaikuntha. And having been cursed by the four Kumaras, to take birth as demons. So he's been obliged to accept this demoniac existence. And Hiranyakashipu and Hiranyaksha, the two brothers, Jai and Vijay, the two gatekeepers of Vaikuntha, they're not like ordinary demons at all. These are like super powerful, unprecedentedly uh, potent demons who are so... Uh, powerful that they can affect the whole cosmos by their activities. Hiranyakashipu affected the whole uh, breathing of the universe by his austerities. He was choking everyone out. Whose phone does that keep going on? Yours? Tell it, thank you very much. <laughs> I guess it'll keep doing that until you push the button. <clears throat> so, uh, and Hiranyaksha was disturbing the whole universe as well. These, these are cosmic level, cosmic quality demons. They're very powerful because, after all, they're devotees. And they're empowered by the Lord to engage in this amazing leela. So uh, the Lord appears in two different avatars to deal with these two brothers, Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakashipu, first is Lord Varahadev, Keshavadrita Sukara Rupa, Jayadavadishare, and then as Lord Nasingha, Keshavadrita Narahari Rupa, Jayadavadishare. So, Narahari, half man, half lion. Rupa means form. Chukara means boar. So, here's Lord Varahadev, the boar. So, very wonderful. And his his engaging in this fight with Hiranyaksha, it's like a really big show, like a big movie, only much grander scale than any movie, no matter how big is the movie budget and how many CGI artists they have working to make everything fabulous. And even if it's in 
IMAX 3D. It's nothing compared to this, a manifestation of the pastimes of the Lord. And um, even though we may not have a fabulous movie production to depict this, this is depicted in a superior way in the form of sound vibration. <clears throat> but Srimad Bhagavatam is the sound vibration incarnation of the Lord. So by hearing Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, Nityam Bhagavatashevya, as was explained to us nicely yesterday by Mahamantra Prabhu, it, it has this effect, this miraculous effect on the heart of the conditioned soul. It purifies the conditioned soul. That's us, the conditioned souls. It purifies us and uh, gradually brings us to the spiritual platform. Uh, and coming to that platform, then we can go back home, back to Godhead. What does Krishna say in Bhagavad Gita? Is that if you know about uh, my pastimes, Janma Karma, and my appearance, and this is a, that same description of the appearance and the pastimes of the Lord. Janma karma, this is the karma of Lord Varaha, he's fighting with Hiranyaksha and saving the earth on a grand cosmic scale. Um, Janma karma chame divyam, and knowing that these this appearance and these uh, performance of Leela by the Lord is divya, transcendental. Uh, you have to really know it like factually, thoroughly, completely. Therefore, Krishna says, Tatvataha. So that can be taken to mean you know it really well. And it can be also taken to mean a Tatvataha that you know that this is the absolute truth. So you know Krishna very well and you realize and understand that he's the absolute truth. <clears throat> then another birth, naiti, you don't have to take. So, <clears throat> this is the wonder and benefit of Srimad Bhagavatam by hearing this uh, beautiful Leela. Now, this is a very interesting, in this verse, it explains how the Lord, he just moves a little and Hiranyaksha throws his gada. And then instead of striking the Lord, he just moves slightly and misses him. Uh, and the example is given that just as an accomplished yogi would elude death. And that is really amazing. Yoga Arudha Iva Antakam. Yoga Arudha means expert yogi, advanced yogi. Uh, so one who is very advanced spiritualist even death may come knocking on the door. Um, the advanced yogi can, and so when death comes, then death tries to take one. Death delivers a blow, and then you're finished in this body. But an accomplished yogi, by virtue of his mystic powers and his transcending uh, the influence of material nature can actually uh, escape that death blow, can elude it, can put it off till later. Even Prabhupada says in the purport, um, 
But by the grace of the Lord, the yogi can overcome many such attacks. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But first, let me give the example of Grandfather Bhishma, who was a great devotee of Lord Krishna. And he was such a great devotee that he could choose the time of his death. So even though he was supposed to be, he was destined to be killed in the battle of Kurukshetra, he put it off. And he was laying there, his body filled with arrows. And so it was said like he's on a bed of arrows. But he didn't pass away at that time. He waited for an auspicious time. Of course, he also wanted Krishna and the Pandavas to come see him. And then while he was laying there, completely filled with these arrows, shot through and through, how can anyone survive that? He gave very lucid instructions on Krishna consciousness to the Pandavas. It was Krishna's desire that the Bhishma Dev speak Bhagavad Kata to his devotees, the Pandavas, and Krishna himself was present for those uh, instructions that we find in the first canto uh, of Srimad Bhagavatam. I'm not going to read those now, but it is very wonderful. So, when I read this purport, immediately I thought of Srila Prabhupada. Because you may know that when Prabhupada came over on the Jaladuta, which is just an old funky beat up steamship, um, not a luxury liner, not the Titanic, not the Queen Elizabeth II, no, Queen Elizabeth II, I think it's called. Not one of these big fancy uh, boats like I've seen them in Miami docked at the port, they have these cruise, these cruise ships, and they go different places. They go to the Caribbean, they go to Mexico, they go different vacation spots, but they're a very luxurious accommodation. You have a nice room, nice facility, nice bathroom, and you have all kinds of, you know, boga is offered, they have musicians, it's the whole thing, these musicians who play on the cruise ship for a living. Uh, it's a whole circuit that they work. And they're gone for a long time, so they can't spend any of the money. Or they're working when they get back, then they can spend all the money. So that's, and meanwhile, they're living on the ship also. So those are luxuries, but this is not a luxury. The Jaladutta was not a luxury liner. <laughs> it is not, you know, Royal Caribbean cruise lines or whatever. No, uh, it is a rather, rather austere uh, iron ship. And, um, so Srila Prabhupada was given one cabin, one small quarters on the ship. Um, and while they were crossing, he had two different heart attacks and no medical attention at all whatsoever. Just in his room. This is like you're in your room. And like we have these little rooms here in the temple, like one of those little rooms and you just have a heart attack. Nobody comes, nobody says anything, and then you have another heart attack. Imagine that. Uh, so the material nature was offering a death blow to Srila Prabhupada, and he wasn't in the greatest of health to begin with as he began his journey at age 69. <clears throat> but he managed to avoid the death blow at that time. 
And um, there are many different things said about Srila Prabhupada's experience, but Prabhupada had one very good friend in Vrindavan named Bhagaji. And Bhagaji was a wealthy man, and um, he gave a lot of money, he built the Gurukul, and he was Prabhupada's advisor from the beginning of the Vrindavan Temple project, and he, Prabhupada requested him to help the devotees in uh, management. And um, he willingly gave life and soul to Srila Prabhupada, and he was his contemporary. So, Bhagaji allegedly said that Srila Prabhupada told him, and also swore him to secrecy, that when he had a heart attack on the Jalabhuta, Krishna came and massaged his heart. He told this to Srila Prabhupada, and then Prabhupada told him also that don't tell anyone. So Bhagaji didn't tell anyone until some few years after Srila Prabhupada had left the planet in 1977. And then he revealed that story. He thought it was okay that he could tell that now that Prabhupada had gone. The Prabhupada did not want him to reveal that at the time when he was still present. But just revealing Krishna's relationship with Prabhupada, um, Prabhupada was, any other person would have been discouraged by these heart attacks. But Krishna, uh, Prabhupada also had a dream that he described where he was on the Jaladuta and Krishna was coming by and rowing a boat and he was manifesting his different forms, his different avatars. And he was telling Prabhupada, come on, come on, we're going to America. <laughs> so this is the story that Bhagavati told. And um, I would place a lot of credence on the story because Bhagavati was a very close associate of Srila Prabhupada and not some foolish rascal speculator who just makes something up. Sometimes people will say, Things, oh, yes, I knew Swami Prabhupada, he did this, he did that, he said this, he said that. And maybe, maybe not. But Bhagaji was very devoted. He was also, a, a, a un, he was not married. He was living as a single person. Sometimes devotees would stay at his house. And he was the great Vaishnava and Sadhu, obviously, who came to help Srila Prabhupada establish the glorious Vrindavan temple. So that story is there. Um, and we know Srila Prabhupada did survive the two heart attacks. And then he arrived in Boston Harbor. Um, also, Srila Prabhupada survived another heart attack. We just read in Swami in a Strange Land, Yogeshwar's book. And it's also in the Leelamrita, how in 1967 in New York, Prabhupada had a heart attack. He was with Chutananda in his room. And Chutananda went up to his room, and it was, we just read this a few days ago. Prabhupada was very pale and not looking well at all. And he told Chutananda to feel his heart, put his hand on his heart, and he did it. It was like beating irregularity. It was irregularly, it was palpitating. And then Prabhupada threw himself back into Chutananda's arm and said, Hare Krishna! And he had this heart attack, and they took him to the hospital. Papa didn't want to stay in the hospital. He checked himself out of Beth Israel Hospital, very famous hospital. And they took him to uh, the Jersey Shore in a house there to recover. And then later he went to Stinson Beach 
in Marin County, uh, north of San Francisco, and was there during the first Rathayatra. He was not able to attend, but the devotees came and told him. And then we read this um, discussion where Mukunda Maharaj, at the time Mukunda Das, asked Prabhupada, because Prabhupada was very ill, he said, Prabhupada, what happens if you pass away? How would the movement go on? Would one of your godbrothers come from India and replace you? And Prabhupada was very silent. And then tears were streaming down from his eyes. And he said that my spiritual master was no ordinary spiritual master. He saved me. And he said, actually, this is an insult to ask this question. You know, could someone replace Srila Prabhupada? <clears throat> or try to assume his position because he's the founder of Acharya of Iskand and the Jagat Guru. And Prabhupada said, if one of my godbrothers comes, and Prabhupada knew his godbrothers very well, he did not always speak exactly highly about their different schemes and machinations, especially after the disappearance of Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. So then Srila Prabhupada went to India. That's what we're just reading today. I went to India. And tomorrow we're going to read how he came back. And he came back looking younger than before, all tanned and young and full of energy and effulgence. And the devotees were like blown away. He came back a new man after spending six months in Vrindavan, where he had, you know, Ayurvedic medicine and the bracing heat of Vrindavan, somewhat similar to the bracing heat of Tucson, although a little hotter in Vrindavan in May and June. And no, it's not dry. dry. It's dry. It's a desert climate, although they do agriculture. They have more water than we have here in Tucson. <clears throat> if you want water in Tucson, you have to come to Govindas and see our ponds and our fountain. <clears throat> so he returned very uh, enlivened, rejuvenated, and completely fired up because he had had some success in his preaching. So in, in, in the case of Srila Prabhupada, we can say he is also the per personification. There's one verse in the Sweta uh, Swatara Upanishad that states, Yasya Deve Parabhoktir Yita Devi Tatagarao Tasyati Katitah Yarta Prakasham Te Mahatmanaha. That Yasya Deve Parabhaktir, one who has great devotion unto Yasya Devi, to the Supreme Lord, to God, Yata Devi Tathagura. And just as one has that devotion for the Supreme Lord, Tathagura, one has that same faith, uh, staunch, unshakable faith in the spiritual master, which Srila Prabhupada exhibited and spoke of his firm faith in both Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur and his order to preach Krishna consciousness in the West. Then, Tasyaiti Katita Hyarta, Prakashante Mahatmanaha, that all the conclusions and revelations and intricate, intimate understandings of the Shastra, of the Vedic literature, Prakashante, they are revealed, they are manifest within the heart of such a Mahatma, of such a great personality such a great soul. So Srila Prabhupada was the uh, personification 
of this yasya devi faith in the spiritual master and faith in the supreme lord krishna so this is the parallel track of bhakti that one has to have faith love and devotion uh, in a very powerful way for both the Guru and Krishna. And then everything is revealed to one. Yasmin vigate sarvam evam vigatam bhavati. That one who knows Krishna, then to that person there is nothing unknown. Everything that is needed to be known is known because he knows Krishna. Because Krishna is the source of everything. So if you know Krishna, then you know everything. So Prabhupada was asked this question that, uh, well, does the spiritual master just, you know, he know how many stories are in the Empire State Building or how many atoms of concrete are on the sidewalk? Because he knows everything, right? Well, that's a foolish question because what need does he have to know of those things? It's not like he becomes an encyclopedia of useless knowledge because he knows everything. But the self-realized person, and Srila Prabhupada demonstrated this many, many, many times, we understand from hearing the uh, remembrances of him by his devotees, that he uh, understood everyone's mind. He knew what was in your mind, what was in your heart. And devotees often had this experience. They felt a little uncomfortable. They felt uncovered. Like normally, you're in someone's presence. They can't read your mind. They can only see your face. Of course, the face is the index to the mind. So one who's very expert can understand the, by the face of a person something in their mind. But Srila Prabhupada could see right through all of that and understand what lies within the heart of each person. And devotees felt that. When Prabhupada looked at them, Woo, it's like you, all of a sudden you're naked. <laughs> Not in the ordinary way of losing your clothes, but everything is revealed that's within your heart. Normally, no one understands. It's like, who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? Well, the pure devotee knows this. And there's also a description in the Bhagavatam of one time Prahlad Maharaj in the fifth canto. He was on tour with some of his associates. And they encountered this very unusual sadhu known as the Python Sage, who was just lying in the forest floor. And he was making no effort to maintain himself, to maintain his body. He wasn't working a job. He wasn't begging, he wasn't hustling to get something to eat. He wasn't worried about any of those things because he was just fixed on the transcendental platform. So Prahlad Maharaj, a very advanced, powerful devotee, intimate associate of Lord Narasimha, who Lord Narasimha appeared just to save. So that is Prahlad Maharaj's wonderful relationship with the Supreme Lord. Prahlad Maharaj, immediately upon seeing this sage, this is described in the fifth canto, he could understand that he was a great devotee just by looking at him, just by seeing him. That was also said about, uh, there was one great sadhu, uh, an avadut sadhu, living during the time of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, his name was Vangsidas Babaji. And Vangsidas Babaji was very unusual. He was a real avadut, um, not to be imitated. 
when people would try to talk to him, instead of talking to them, he would answer by talking to his deities. And he was always talking to, he had Gordian-type deities, he was always talking to his deities. And, but people would approach him because he was a great devotee. People had, some people in India, the tradition is to approach a great sadhu to get some benediction. But he always knew that people were after material benefits and he wasn't into it. So he would look at someone, he would peer at them, and he would immediately could see their heart and know everything that was in their heart. So he was not impressed by conditioned souls. He knew people's motivations. Similarly, Gorkishore Das Babaji Maharaj, um, also <coughs> a resident of Navadvip Dham at that same time, uh, he could understand people's motivations. So there was one Zamandar who approached him and said, Oh, Saduji, you are so great. I, I, I accept you as my Guru Maharaj. I'll do anything you say. And at that time, Babaji Maharaj was living near the latrine by the bank of the Ganga where people would go past still. It was the place where everyone would go. A very stinky place, like a sewage treatment plant, only there's no treatment. <laughs> so he would go, he would stay there because he didn't want to be bothered, but people would still come to see him because he was had such a great reputed sadhu. And so the Zamandar, I'll do anything you say. So Babaji Maharaj told him, all right, you give up all your possessions and you just stay here with me at the latrine and chant Hare Krishna. Oh, I have to go, I have an appointment now. I cannot stay. Sorry, Guru Maharaj. <laughs> so he could not accept his instructions. He couldn't surrender, although he professed that. He was professing some sentiment, but when the order was given, you stay here and surrender, he could not do that. He would not do that. He had no desire to. Of course, Babaji Maharaj knew that perfectly. He made, he just to uh, uh, reveal the person. He performed that pastime. <clears throat> so, but following the order of the spiritual master is a serious business to accept. And, and Srila Prabhupada, he wants us all to become Krishna conscious by following this process that he has given us and by assisting him in spreading this Krishna consciousness movement. That's what Srila Prabhupada wants for every devotee, to assist him in whatever, in whatever capacity one has. It's not the same. Everyone's not going to do the exact same service. And everyone's uh, uh, Krishna conscious life, everyone's bhakti trajectory is not going to be exactly the same as everyone else's. So you can't expect the person, the devotee next to you, to do everything exactly what you do. We are individuals. So it, every, and then we have different capacities and different talents and different desires. So whatever it is that we do, we have to do for Krishna according to our capacity and also our desire. Like someone may be a great artist and they want to paint for Krishna, then they should paint for Krishna. And that should not be imitated by someone who has no talent whatsoever <laughs> in art. But that person who has no talent whatsoever in art, they have some other talent. Uh, Vishaka Mataji is, uh, has quoted that. Srila Prabhupada said that every each individual has their own particular genius of their own expertise or their own ability to be able to accomplish certain things in Krishna's service. So we have to find out that what is our path 
under the guidance of the spiritual master and within the general context of practicing bhakti yoga according to the universal principles, not concocting, but within that context. So sometimes people think, oh, you guys all look alike with the shaved head and the robes, you all look alike. But we look around and see we don't all look alike. Maybe the shaved head, but everyone is an individual with their own particular consciousness and appreciation and relationship. Everyone actually has an individual relationship with Krishna. So Srila Prabhupada, this great yogi, this great Vaishnava, he was able to elude the death blows several times. So we can understand his writing this in the purport, his realized knowledge. This is his experience because he did avoid death blows several times. So he knows of what he speaks. He's not just speaking theoretically, he's speaking realized. Prabhupada said that was the wonderful thing about his purports. They were realized knowledge presented uh, for the benefit of the common man to understand bhakti. Now, continuing with this theme of Srila Prabhupada on board the Jaladuta. So he survives the two heart attacks and he comes to Boston Harbor and he's accepted this great austerity at an advanced age to preach Krishna consciousness because that was the order given to him at age 22 by his spiritual master and confirmed later on. And Srila Prabhupada took it up. Uh, some of the other Gaudiya Math uh, devotees have reportedly said that Bhakti Siddhanta was always telling everyone to preach and to preach those who could speak English, preach English. So he was telling everybody to preach and spread this movement all over the world. But who took it up? Who took that order seriously? Only one devotee, Srila Prabhupada took it as his life and soul. He was always meditating for 40 years. He was working, trying, writing in English, publishing, preaching, trying to get something going to fulfill the order of his guru. And finally, at age 69, he stepped up onto the Gajaladuta with 40 rupees in his pocket, which were non-exchangeable in New York. <laughs> you couldn't exchange rupees. So he had nothing. But he had 200 trunks of books, but he was armed with his firm faith in the order of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur and firm faith in the holy name. And in this connection, Srila Prabhupada, while on board the Jaladuta in Boston Harbor at Commonwealth Pier, which I have visited, I lived in Boston for about almost three years in the Boston Temple. And uh, only one time we went to Commonwealth Pier, amazingly. It's such a tirta. It's when Prabhupada first set foot on the North American continent. Um, <clears throat> kind of an unimpressive place. Just a dock, a pier, and there's some warehouses and stuff. It may, it may be different now. It may have developed commercially. But, you know, the, the waterfront, the wharffront, a working class environment. Prabhupada wrote this wonderful poem called Markine Bhagavad Dharma, which means preaching Krishna consciousness in America. And it's his prayer to Krishna uh, to empower him to preach, to spread according to the order of Bhakti Siddhanta. So I would like to read this poem, and then we will stop after that. But Srila Prabhupada is, is the personification of 
you know, in Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna is declining to fight. So Krishna didn't tell Arjuna, okay, Baba, just take rest. Here, go find a tree and I'll kill all the warriors. Well, Krishna did kill all the warriors, but he told Arjuna, you take part, you do your service, get up and fight. Get out of the modes, buddy. Quit lamenting. Quit being a sentimental fool. And I'm telling you, I'm engaging you. You have to kill all these warriors. And then I'm God, that's my order. Then he manifests the universal form. So Arjuna was like, okay, I get it. I'll fight. And he fought like anything. He's actually the greatest warrior alive at the time. But perhaps the greatest warrior that ever lived. Um, so he got up and fight. He got up and fought. He didn't just say, oh, you know, this is so, I'm going to go take a shot and maybe you know, can nap for a couple hours. And, you know, I, I had hurt, I got a little headache. You know, my foot's not doing so good. I got a thing on my elbow. And, no, nothing like that. He like, he got fired up because Prabhupada says that Bhagavad Gita was spoken by Krishna to Arjuna just to fire him up to get into the battle and fight for all the right reasons as a service to Krishna. But Prabhupada was also no lazy fellow. Here he says, My dear Lord Krishna, you are so kind upon this useless soul, but I do not know why you have brought me here. Now you can do whatever you like with me. But I guess you have some business here. Otherwise, why would you bring me to this terrible place? That's the Commonwealth Pier in Boston. Boston's a pretty tough town. And it's got some tough neighborhoods. And the, the waterfront is one of the tough neighborhoods. <laughs> Most of the population here is covered by the material modes of ignorance and passion. This is Prabhupada's first impressions, seeing the people in America. Absorbed in material life, they think themselves very happy and satisfied, and therefore they have no taste for the transcendental message of Vasudeva. I do not know how they will be able to understand it. He's doubting. You're like, what's the use of preaching to these <laughs> rascals, these idiots, these poor fools who are suffering under the grips of Maya? But I know your causeless mercy can make everything possible because you are the most expert mystic. How will they understand the mellows of devotional service? Even now, we see that also when we present Krishna consciousness. How, how will people be able to understand? They just don't get it. Without Krishna's mercy. Oh Lord, I'm simply praying for your mercy so that they will be, so I will be able to convince them about your message. All living entities have become under the control of the illusory energy by your will. And therefore, if you like, by your will, they can also be released from the clutches of illusion. I wish that you may deliver them. Therefore, if you so desire their deliverance, then only will they be able to understand your message. The words of Srimad Bhagavatam are your incarnation. And if a sober person repeatedly receives it with submissive oral reception, then he will be able to understand your message. And then he quotes from the second chapter of the first canto, shloka 17 through 21. Sri Krishna, the personality of Godhead, who is the Paramatma Supersoul in everyone's heart, 
and the benefactor of the truthful devotee cleanses desire from material enjoyment from the heart of the devotee who has developed the urge to hear his messages, which are in themselves virtuous when properly heard and chanted. By regular attendance in classes on the Bhagavatam, by rendering a service to the pure devotee, all that is troublesome to the heart is almost completely destroyed. And loving service under the personality of Godhead, who is praised with transcendental songs, is established as an irrevocable fact. As soon as irrevocable loving service is established in the heart, the effects of nature's modes of passion and ignorance, such as lust, desire, and hankering, disappear from the heart. So we all want these things to disappear from our hearts. Lust, hankering, desire, the modes of passion and ignorance. Then the devotee is established in goodness and he becomes completely happy. Thus established in the mode of unalloyed goodness, the man whose mind has been enlivened by contact with devotional service to the Lord gains positive scientific knowledge of the personality of Godhead and the stage of liberation from all material association. That's Bhagavat Tattva Vigyanam. One understands Bhagavat Tattva Vigyanam. One has scientific realization, Tattva of the truth of the personality of Godhead by virtue of Krishna consciousness. Not some vague feeling, but positive scientific knowledge, Prabhupada calls it. Bhagavat Tattva Vigyanam. That's what we hankered for this Bhagavat Tattva Vigyana, realization of the truth of Krishna. That is the effect of Krishna consciousness. Thus the knot in the heart is pierced and all misgivings are cut to pieces. The chain of fruitive actions is terminated when one sees the self as master. So that's those six verses. Then Prabhupada goes on. He will become liberated from the influence of the modes of ignorance and passion. And thus, all inauspicious things accumulated in the core of the heart will disappear. How will I make them understand this message of Krishna consciousness? So he's calling out to Krishna. You know, how can I make these people Krishna conscious? This is, this is ridiculous. There's just no way. I am very unfortunate, unqualified, and the most fallen. Therefore, I am seeking your benediction so that I can convince them. For I am powerless to do so on my own. Somehow or other, O Lord, you have brought me here to speak about you. Now, my Lord, it is up to you to make me a success or failure as you like. Just see Prabhupada's. He hadn't even begun to preach to the Americans and see his mood of appealing to Krishna to help him out like, this is impossible. Only you can make this happen because you're God. Somehow or other, O oh Lord, you have brought me here to speak about you. Now, my Lord, it is up to you to make me a success or failure as you like. Spiritual master of all the worlds, I can simply repeat your message. So if you like, you can make my power of speaking suitable for their understanding. Only by your causeless mercy will my words become pure. I am sure that when this transcendental message penetrates their hearts, they will certainly feel gladdened and thus become liberated from all unhappy conditions of life. O oh Lord, I am just like a puppet in your hands. So if you have brought me here to dance, then make me dance. Make me dance. O oh Lord, make me dance as you like. Isn't that a wonderful verse? 
I have no devotion, nor do I have any knowledge, but I have strong faith in the holy name of Krishna. I have been designated as Bhakti Vedanta, which means devotion and knowledge. He's saying, I'm Bhakti Vedanta, but I have no Bhakti and I have no Vedanta. And now if you like, you can fulfill the real purport of Bhakti Vedanta. Sign the most unfortunate, insignificant beggar, A.C. Bhakti Vedanta Swami, on board the ship Jaladuta, Commonwealth Pier, Boston, Massachusetts, USA, 18th of September, see Srila Prabhupada's mood. This is before he was famous, before he was known. He was truly a poverty-stricken beggar at that time, apparently, according to material calculation. But he had in his possession Bhakti Vedanta, devotion to Krishna and full knowledge and realization. Bhagavat Tattva And he had 200 sets of Srimad Bhagavatam, first canto, parts one, two, and three, in trunks. Thus we see uh, the pastime of Krishna in spreading this movement, spreading, Lord, this is Lord Chaitanya's pastime, sending Srila Prabhupada as his messenger to spread the Krishna conscious movement all over the world. And now we see it is all over the world. In places big, like Delhi, population over 20 million, and places small, like Tucson, population in the metro area of Tucson, about a million or so. So we'll stop here. Questions, comments, realizations? Suresh was not here. I know he's always good for a question <laughs> or a comment. I have a comment. Yes. Very nice class. I'm always just so, there's not even a word for a miracle of how far. Yeah. How and you always say it so nicely. So thank you. Yeah, it's miraculous that. Uh, Prabhupada was sent by Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to do this amazing service of spreading Krishna consciousness in the Kali Yuga. And we're all just here at the right time. We're in the right place at the right time. That's called good fortune when one is in the right place at the right time. So we are in the right place at the right time just to get the mercy of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu delivered by his most extraordinary unprecedented devotee, Srila Prabhupada. Anyone else? Yes, sir. Um, just a little comment. I'm saying that it is not that only Prabhupada was knowing this Bhakti Vedanta. There are many people in Gaudiya's mission, but it is up to also Krishna, whom he wants to choose, or whom he wants to use for what service. So this, maybe he has unparalleled surrender. Oh, yeah. Unparalleled surrender. He's and a, that was the magic. That's right. He's an unprecedented devotee. <laughs> there were many other devotees, but who spread Krishna consciousness? I mean, this is this is all Krishna's plan and Krishna's empowerment. He picked him and sent him. You know, Bhavananda tells the story that uh, Srila Prabhupada revealed in a conversation one time. He said he was talking to Krishna 
And Krishna told him, I want you to go down to the material world and preach. Prabhupada says, I don't want to go there. Why did I go there to the material world? I have to do so many austerities. And Krishna says, no, no, no. You won't have to do any austerities. You just write the books. You just go and you write the books. Prabhupada was very keen on writing and publishing his books. Extremely so, because he knows this is what will change the world, his books. So, you just go and write the books. That's all. Very simple, very easy. No problem. I will help you. <laughs> and then Bob and I, when he tells the story, there's, I've seen it on video, and he goes like this. <laughs> where do you hear something like that? Where, where is there an account of something like that? Well, she's probably revealed that in a rare moment of intimate revelation. Okay, so we stop here. Thank you all very much. Nice class, bro. Thank you. <laughs>